Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, Austin Business Journal Assistant Managing Editor Paul Thompson features Bank of America Market President Nikki Graham. I wanted to speak with you because banking has been front and center on people's minds of late. Specifically, the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program has offered a $659 billion safety net to small businesses throughout the country. Now, Bank of America was the top lender by loan count as of June 6th, after approving $24.93 billion across 325,853 loans, which is pretty incredible. Uh, Texas saw about 361,765 loans for nearly $40.3 billion, second to only California in both categories. The largesse of this program is really incredible to think about. I'd love for you, Nikki, to take me through these past couple of months. What has life been like for the average banker working under you? Well, thanks so much for the question. We have really been busy at work here at Bank of America. Um, you know, it started just uh, when I think passed over the last couple of months, just in, in February, our CEO, Brian Moynihan, was here in Austin, along with the senior leaders of Bank of America, um, really talking about our focus on responsible growth and how we were going to serve our clients, employees, and communities, uh, given the growth projections that we expected. Mm -hmm. um, and just a month later, we had this healthcare crisis um, that has kind of evolved into somewhat of an economic crisis. Right. And we really, when we, when we saw that coming, uh, we were one of the first financial institutions to, to put up a website that offered uh, support for our customers. So uh, we made sure that we had our deferment options and the resources available both for our business customers and our individual customers. And then, as you know, just a few uh, days later, the federal government announced the CARES Act uh, mm -hmm. passage of that. So we got a little bit of a bumpy start in round one, but we were absolutely ready for round two. Um, and that was primarily because we were dotting our I's and crossing our T's and make sure we're making sure that we were acting on behalf of the American taxpayer and our employees and making sure that those PPP funds were deployed correctly. And so you're right, Bank of America has made the most PPP loans of any other lender by a significant number. Uh, and you mentioned those Texas numbers and Bank of America is $1.6 billion of the, the PPP loans deployed in Texas. Uh, that's 25,000 customers um, in Texas that we've been able to help. That means 176 million uh, and 2,700 businesses. Wow. And you mentioned that you kind of got this pep talk in February. And obviously, there's no way for anybody to know what was coming and that there was going to be this massive pandemic that was going to kind of flip everything anybody knows on its head. How long did it take you at the Austin awesome level to kind of comprehend the enormity of the task at hand? You know, I think we got some early wind. And fortunately, you know, Bank of America being a global company, we were able to see some of those trends happening on a on a global level. And so we got a little bit of, of foresight into how enormous this could potentially be, especially from the health piece. It wasn't until really the cancellation of South by Southwest that we really saw how this was going to start impacting Austin. Because we knew that once that happened, it was it was triggering a the closures. That was really the onset of the closures as we saw them in in Austin. You know, since then, uh, Bank of America and our 
our employees have gone to a work from home posture. But, you know, I'd be remiss to not mention that as we celebrate the essential workers throughout Austin and some of the other industries, our financial centers have been open this entire time. So we've had uh, folks on the front line serving customers, uh, making sure that their needs are met. It's hard to imagine, but we've serviced over uh, 13 million of the EIP, which is the economic impact payments that were made to individuals. So our centers have been open, cashing checks for people and really helping them with their financial needs. I think even the first round of funding, right, was exhausted in 14 days. Uh, and of course, the second round came after that. As far as I can tell, there's still there's still funds available there, right? There are still funds available. And I think that that's, that's really important to note because I know that there are a number of different funds that are out there to help small businesses. And as you know, in Austin, the hotel leisure restaurant industry has been impacted significantly. So sure. all the industries that go with that have been impacted. And it's important to know that you've seen many financial institutions really work with their clients. But for those folks who aren't clients, we've been able to refer to many of our what they call CDFI partners. So hmm. CDFIs are community development financial institutions. People Fund is one of those Lyft Fund. Um, and then Dream, Dream Spring is up in, in North Texas. But we've been able to work with those partners, too, to make sure that businesses are able to get their PPP. No, that's an interesting point, too. I, and to the, to the question of money available still, and I think, you know, it's been obviously some time since the, the second round has been out there. Is there a sense that businesses have maybe been a little bit more apprehensive about taking those PPP loans with the second round? And have you seen perhaps the needle move at all over the past couple of weeks as Congress has acted to create flexibility in the program, uh, whether it's the loan forgiveness application or maybe passing some some different measures for how, how much of the money can be spent on payroll, et cetera. Has that maybe opened the floodgates a little bit more here of late? Well, I think you bring up a, a great point is that the, the rules of PPP have changed over time. Mm -hmm. And so right. I think it's really been um, important for businesses to stay up on the latest and greatest. So we have some folks in, internally and really my whole team has been working with different businesses to make sure that they're aware of the changes coming out from Treasury and the SBA. So it's been really important for, I mean, businesses are you know worried about keeping their doors open and, and paying employees, but then also making sure that they're keeping up to date on the website of what the, right. the latest rules and regulations are. But many of the, the latest changes are really to the benefit of, of businesses and thinking about long-term recovery. One of the big changes I think that has been surrounding and, and has been in the news of late, right, has been about the idea of how much to disclose about companies in terms of dollar amount, company names, et cetera. I think Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said two weeks ago or maybe a week and a half ago that the PPP recipients or the SBA would not be releasing data to the public, suggesting that it was proprietary. I think that tune has changed a little bit of late. And the, the latest I've heard is that the Trump administration is now indicating it will release information for loans in excess of $150,000. Is that enough? You know, I think that, that what's important to note is that companies like Bank of America, and I guess I, I can speak specific to our numbers, especially in Austin, is over 99% of our businesses had fewer than 100 employees. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the average loan amount was 65000 So when you think about that, I think that the, the premise of disclosure is to make sure that the money was going to the businesses that needed it. And I think that you can see reflected in Bank of America's numbers that we've done exactly just that. That's an interesting point. So do you have an idea of what percentage of the loans would have exceeded that $150,000 figure? This is 99% of our, the businesses that we served had fewer than 100 employees. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, so they probably, most of them probably didn't get loans in excess of that number. Right. Interesting. Yeah, so you'll only see the very highest of the high probably come out in the disclosures. And it's, just, it's, it's your impression then that, that that is enough to kind of serve as a, that, that, that oversight piece? I think it's important that really when you get down to the core disclosure is you have to recognize two things. Is one, the intent is to help all businesses stay open. And, you know, to the extent that that small business really dominates the number of businesses we have in mm-hmm. the United States, you know, it's just important to stay focused on the fact that the large percentage of businesses that we're supporting are local and and they're small. Bank of America's Austin Market President, Nikki Graham, joining Austin Business Journal Assistant Managing Editor, Paul Thompson. In our next segment, Graham addresses what Bank of America is doing at the local level to address racial injustice when Texas Business Minds continues. To support businesses hit hard right now, Texas Mutual Insurance Company is distributing $330 million in dividends to eligible policyholders two months early. Our goal is to get the money to employers when they need it most. More at TexasMutual.com slash dividends. Continuing our conversation on Texas Business Minds as Austin Business Journal Assistant Managing Editor Paul Thompson visits with Bank of America Austin Market President Nikki Graham. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you as well about the wave of protests that have broken out across the country over police brutality and racial injustice. To that end, I know Bank of America has recently committed a billion dollars across four years to combat economic and racial inequalities that have been laid bare by the COVID-19 pandemic. You alluded to that at the top here. When did you first hear about this initiative and what was your reaction? Let me, if I may, just start at the beginning. No sooner were we working on PPP, but our CEO announced a $100 million commitment to to philanthropy. And Mm -hmm. so in Austin, that gave us about a million dollars that we were able to deploy pretty much by the end of March um, to organizations that were really focused in healthcare, housing, food, um, insecurity, and then also helping students who had, um, you know, were, were shifted to completing their academics online. So we partnered with Khan Academy to help with some of that. So that was the like the immediate out of the box philanthropic commitment to Austin and other nonprofits across the country. Then as we saw the tragedies that occurred of late with the recent very tragic deaths and then locally with you know Michael Ramos and Javier Ambler and and David Joseph, we're just reminded that of the inequities and um the mayor convened a task force just a couple of years ago to really look at these tragedies. And, but that's the local work. But the, as we know, this isn't local to Austin. This is happening across our country. And our CEO is very 
aware of, of what's happening. And so he said it, it's time for change and so committed a billion dollars to this work. We'll see, you know, first out of the gate was the commitment of $25 million to the Smithsonian for a series of conversations. But I look forward to the work that we're going to be doing over the next four years to really dig deep. In Austin, we've done a lot of work up to date. So I'm just looking forward to, to that really deep work that's going to take place over the next four years. Interesting. Yeah. And you said $100 million offered the Austin market about a million. Does, am I, if I extrapolate, does that mean that Austin market would get about 10 million to play with, with, with this 1 billion or am, am I doing uh, jump into conclusions in terms of, of how that might uh, be spread out? That might be jumping to conclusions. I wish. Um, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to see um, how that goes. But, you know, in 2014, um, we sponsored the civil rights summit at the LBJ library. We continued that just a few years ago when they had a second event really focused on um, the Civil Rights Act. And so I think we have, we definitely have a, a history in Austin of addressing racial inequality. And, you know, it's important to note too that one of, one of our cornerstones is on youth employment and making mm-hmm. sure that we are employing young people, not only within Bank of America, but also supporting them in, in employment in other industries across Austin. So while all of those programs have moved to a virtual environment, we remain committed and to paying young people throughout the summer to complete uh, their their leadership and uh, and work activities. Well, interesting. You know, and as it relates to organizations that might benefit in Austin from, from some of this uh, billion dollar outlay, how much say do you have in kind of selecting those and, and, and identifying organizations that could benefit from it? Is, is that process started yet or are you still working on it? What, can you yeah, give me an example but, of some of these organizations that you're eyeing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that some key announcements will be made later on this year, but I think that those, those announcements rest on the foundation that we've set, especially working within uh, local colleges and universities. So if you look at, at Houston Tillotson, St. Edwards, UT, uh, we've been working in some of those organizations. We also work with a number of organizations like, like Con Mi Madre and others where we're really looking at that high school population and their uh, transition and completion of post-secondary. So that includes four-year university as well as our community colleges or trade skills to ensure that those young people are going on to a career. Well, cool. Certainly worthy causes. And I know that it's something diversity inclusion is something you've been aware of for quite some time. I dusted off our archives and found a a 2017 interview with you. I'll read a quote that you gave in that interview about diversity and inclusion. You said, quote, I would actually say that the banking industry has been a leader in the diversity and inclusion space. It's been a top priority. I've been with the bank for 22 years, and it's always been a priority for us. I've played another number of different diversity initiatives within the company. I thought that was interesting that it was something that had been top of mind for at least several years. Can I ask you, which diversity and inclusion efforts have you been most proud of? You talked about some stuff, but what has been the, is there anything that you can hang your hat on specifically during your time at Bank of America is something that you're especially proud of? What I am especially proud of is my teammates. The folks that I work with and the passion that they have and and the in many cases the prejudice that maybe 
they haven't experienced internally, but externally, just their life journeys. We have employee networks. Right now, we have our Black professional group led by uh, Nina Nelms, our OLA network that's run by Carla Molina, who is our communication executive for Bank of America. And then we have a, a women's leadership group that's run by the head of our Merrill division, Heather Walsh. And we're working on launching a, a pride uh, network as well. And these, all these groups are empowered and have a voice at the table and are part of the, the decision-making process, both for our business, but also through our, what we do in the community. On this diversity piece, there have been reports, including in the New York Times and Time Magazine, that minority-owned businesses can sometimes more difficulty getting their hands on federal relief funds than their white counterparts. I wondered, uh, I think one stat that I found was that uh, Time reported that 46% of white-owned businesses had access to credit from a bank in the past five years, which is about twice as much of African-American-owned businesses. Um, what steps can companies like Bank of America take to kind of level out that playing field? And Paul, I would say it's important to note that our um, that twenty three percent of all of our PPP loans were made to biz- from low income neighborhoods. That's not to necessarily correlate that with minority owned, but that's an important statistic that I think um, is is relevant to the conversation. There is certainly more that we can do to help minority owned businesses, but what I would say is we have very strong advocates either through the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, which, of course, led by the former head of the Hispanic Chamber in San Antonio, is now leading the national organization. We have strong representation uh, within the, the Black Chamber. And then also we have um, representation within the Austin Chamber and continue to, to listen to um, small business owners and and work with them one-on-one. You know, for those who... Uh, for whatever reason, may not qualify for um, traditional lending services. You know that's why we also support the MDIs or you know minority depository institutions and the CDFIs. Continue to support those not only through philanthropy but capital deployment. So we make sure that that our balance sheet is made available to them so that they can make loans. Ideally, you'll have many aspiring executives listen to this interview. What advice might you have for recent graduates, and especially women, who might be trying to get a foothold into the banking industry right at this very moment? Oh, my gosh. There's so many opportunities. You know, I think that, that um, in, in some ways, I hear from young people that you know, they want a lot of freedom or, or they might not want to go work for a big company. But what I've been amazed at at Bank of America is I've probably had about five different careers within the same institution. There's so many different points of, of entry. And, you know, from coming from someone who has a, a liberal arts uh, degree and wouldn't necessarily think of myself as being on the, the top of the recruiting list mm-hmm. uh, for a bank, I, you know, I've certainly enjoyed uh, tw- 26 years at, at Bank of America so I think it's just for young people, especially young women, young people of color who are looking for a wonderful company to work for, I would certainly have them consider uh, looking at, at Bank of America. And we have many, as I mentioned earlier, we have many internship programs, whether it's our Bank of America student leaders uh, or it's our financial center interns that we work with, uh, the Austin Area Urban League and other partnerships we have would certainly encourage folks to, to look at us for those opportunities. All right. Thanks so much again for your time, Nikki. 
Thanks, Paul. I really appreciate your time. And I just want to mention, you know, Bank of America is committed to Austin. We're committed to our 600 employees here. Our CEO is committed to no layoffs as a result of COVID this year. So our teammates remain intact with the support of Bank of America. And we're here to service our clients, our employees, and our communities. So just appreciate the time and appreciate the the opportunity to talk with you today. Thanks, Paul. Thanks to Nikki Graham, Bank of America's Austin Market President, for joining us. And thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals, and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. Texas.